You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week. The programme where we have a look at the local papers here in County Clare, mostly the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, and we have a chat about them and uh, we give you maybe our own take on the various items that are there. Uh, my our usual panel are here around the table so uh big welcome first of all to john s kelly good afternoon john afternoon jim delighted to be here great to have you and great to have you too pat o'brien yeah good afternoon jim and uh missing in action <laughs> last week but uh back among us again is uh david fleming david you are most welcome thank back. you very much jim <laughs> glad to be back i have to say so now, since we're, we're back to, to um, a full strength, or a usual squad, we'll call it, uh, we'll have a look at some of the uh, items on the two papers. And I suppose, gentlemen, uh, the COP26 uh, conference meeting, which is happening at the moment in Glasgow, coming to an end this weekend, uh, there are so many environmental issues um, that strike us from the newspapers this week. It's really, no matter where you'd open the paper, I'd say there's some kind of an environmental issue. I suppose we touched on it last week. We mentioned the wind farm and the fact that the... Um, is it Eleanor? or Norwegian, anyway. Jim. Norwegian had, mm. had withdrawn. And I suppose there, there's a little bit of that in the papers this week, John. There is indeed. In fact, there's more than a little bit, isn't there? Parik McMahon has a... Uh, an article, <coughs> uh, developer behind the Money Point project leaves the Irish market. Now, I know we referred to this last week, but uh, in your absence, David, we were thinking about what would David say to this, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, we're going to give you an opportunity. You know that we were angry over uh, the exit of the Norwegian. Would yes. you agree with our right to be angry? And, uh, why, why, John, did they pull out of the deal with the ESB uh, on this one? Do we know? They, they, one of the executives of the Norwegian company said there were a number of reasons. Uh, we did focus very much on the planning uh, aspect, on, yeah, the, the unpreparedness the, yeah. that we are in yeah. in relation to uh, planning yeah. questions. I think that's fair, actually, that, that point, because uh, we have to agree with the Norwegian company on that. It's, it's, it's the former company known as Statoil, which is the, isn't it? That's yeah, right. That's the great. Equinor, it's called now, I think. But yeah. um, uh, there is a bill going through the doll as we speak, um, which will... But, but it, it's, too, it's kind of a bit late, isn't it? It is. We're here, you know, nearly every week. We have a complaint, yeah, yeah haven't yeah. we? And we don't like uh, uh, complaining. Speak for yourself, John. <laughs> 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 but, but I mean, when when companies who are interested yeah. in, in investing in yeah. Ireland, yeah, it's a major handicap, isn't it? It is. We're not prepared, no. And actually, in in climate terms, one of the facts that came out. Um, we're a great little country for polluting because per capita we are amongst the worst polluters in the country in, in the in world. world per capita uh, per capita and where do you and see the the uh, the, the actual uh, main resp uh, responsibilities in that regard with the, i think every sector probably has to play its part but certainly um 
one of the bigger categories, which I know we'll come on to, is is the agricultural sector. I think it's about a third of. Uh, then obviously our industrial output and, and the domestic uh, and the burning of fossil fuels in cars and so on, um, and we only seem to concentrate. Well, we do. We the, the farmers have got it in the neck. This particular in this, well, regularly enough. Mm. Um, uh, the, it, it's the it's the retrofitting of houses, uh, which uh, and people have highlighted the costs of that, and the government simply expecting individual citizens to remedy the situation, uh, and the electric cars and public transport. I mean, it, 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 this is such a crisis. I don't know if you were looking at listening to Mary Robinson, who got very emotional about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, the penny doesn't seem to have dropped when it comes to the crisis the world seems to be in. If we if we accept, and I think everybody does accept now, what the scientists are actually telling us, we won't have a, we won't have any place. Is that? Uh, it's got it's gotten as bad as that. It's an that's existential. That's the word uh, they're you, using. That, yes, it existential. is existential. And do you do you it's, subscribe it's, to that? Uh, I, I believe in the science. I do. Yeah, I but believe in the science. But what about man's? potential to respond we've been asked to in a way it's us individuals have very little to do with it i think it it requires a major government decision government governmental decision only these big decisions like we we as 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 a society of individuals by ourselves won't be able to drive the change needed in farming or in the aviation industry so apart what, from lending so, our voice so what will drive it then it's the governments you need top-down leadership what drives government we i mean if you if you take uh, the county council is a, an extension indirectly yeah. of yeah. government, isn't it? I it mean, is, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and uh, we 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 have said. Well, I, I think what's driving it is partly the realization, the what, what the sciences are, what the scientists are, are telling us that we, we're experiencing, sure, with the reg more regular storms that we're receiving on the in this part of the in this part of the world. I don't know if that's... We didn't have any storms. Not yet, which is weird in its own right, isn't it? But I wonder... The minute the the Gulf Stream stops or switches, then we're fecked altogether. I wonder, is there a certain lack of trust in the whole area? For example, I'm thinking, John, we had two guests on Saturday Chronicle here on this station last Saturday. And they were talking about the the response or the, the the suggested response of the agricultural community, yeah. and and I know Paul gave a few figures there. He said that 50 years ago the the national herd was whatever it was. The national herd today is maybe 10 percent more, and yet the, there seems to be in the media an enormous. Um, I suppose vindictiveness is too strong a word, but enormous responsibility placed on the farming community in relation to, to cows belching and the, the reduction of methane gas. Yeah. And he did mention as well that in the 50 years since, let's say, 1971, um, the number of cars has has you know exponentially yeah. grown, yeah. and the number of flights in particular. I think he said yeah. eleven thousand percent mm. more flights uh, yeah. over Ireland. But what, so but, I'm just but, wondering: Are we uh, farmers definitely feel? I would say that they are being victimised 
uh, by the media and that there isn't enough attention on what they would consider the, the major polluters. Now, but Jim, there's a point coming out of what you were saying there. The farmers are being blamed. Who told and advised and paid the farming community uh, over the last 40 years to actually produce more and more and more meat? You know that decision was made in Brussels and the carrot was in fact a guaranteed price. Yes. So our production a farmer decides yes Europe and the world needs more of my meat I invest more money in my farm I build uh, the necessary uh, housing for the animals costing an awful lot of money mm -hmm. and it went beautifully for a while. Now they're being told Get rid of all that. Well, yeah. I'm not, that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But, you know, that investment seems now to be, you know... Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, we didn't... Out. I don't think we realised, or at least we maybe not have been listening to the people... Uh, 40 years ago, there was no environmental crisis. Was there? Was but there any talk of the environmental crisis? But this is where visions and philosophies come into play. Isn't that right? Uh, it... It's a, it's a reluctance. There are certain, a lot of people out there who, who would say nothing is happening at all and it's all part of um, just the normal cycle of events. Uh, particular people in America, for example, might say that and there are others who would say it. Um, but but it's, it's, it's only now that we're beginning, I think, to realise it maybe. Or but in the last 20 right. years. But what? So we I don't blame the farmers at all. Like no, they're no, only indeed. Now, of course, as the son of a farmer, I know that farmers complain regularly. Um, about everything to do with farming. But anyway, I think I can say that as a son of a farmer. But uh, Would your father the, the, say that? Say what? That Just they complain about everything? I, I think he'd kind of half smile at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He knows no better. <laughs> he knows no better. But the, the issue about methane is, even though the, 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 the herd has not changed so much, uh, if we I, and I don't know the figures, it still produces gas. It was producing a lot of gas uh, 70 years ago. The historians will point out that we, that Western societies have contributed to the current crisis from about 1750 onwards. Mm -hmm. That's when in the first increase in temperature is noted because the it's the beginning revolution. of the industrial revolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the coal burning in Britain and so on. Yeah. So uh, animals have all been always been belching and producing this methane gas. But now is the problem because we have too much of all sorts of gases. Mm. So we have to kind of... Gr I, I, I don't actually see, and I agree with the, with, the, with the story here on page 19, strong opposition to reducing herd size by Dan Danaher. And uh, the IFA chairman, Tom Lane, uh, is talking about this strong opposition. And uh, he, to be fair to him, I think he's right. There are solutions that the farmers are producing. He says here... Research has shown new scientific ways of farming uh, can, can lead, I suppose, to a reduction of between 12 and 18% of harmful emissions. This includes measures such as low emission slurry spreading, better genetics, and dietary intervention. This is, this is the, the, the sort of the hope that you can um, reduce the methane coming out of an animal by modifying or giving it something. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So I think they're actually scientific solutions. <coughs> and farmers will get the benefit. What yeah. we need is our scientists to, to speed up. Now, on a lighter note, but, uh, but, but, but kind of indirectly coming out of the conversation we're having, there's an article in The, in the Champion uh, by uh, Owen Ryan, okay? And uh, he was a fly on the wall at a municipal 
meeting last week. Look at him. In Kilrush. Okay? Listening to a particular uh, uh, debate about uh, poor quality of a particular road from A to B. And the title of the, of the article is Cow Dung. This is the mo it was a statement. Cow Dung is ruining uh, a road at tourist spot in West Clare. Now, lads, <laughs> how could cow dung, first of all, get out on the road, and secondly, once it got out, what's in it that would uh, help to create potholes? Anyway, it's upsetting the county councillors down back there, and they're trying to persuade the local farmers to clean up the, the rural road. Good Lord, yeah, it's a I new dimension yeah. now. I, I, say, I say, John, for second there, is there somebody... Uh, driving their cows in along long oh, yeah. the road, back, that, that back and forth for milk yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and if you have constant cow dung on on a road, yes, it it it, it, it does damage. Does it? It does. It does. Now my farming background is coming back to me as well uh, because you were f you were f you were actually grazing the long acre. That's <laughs> different to what to what that is. To do you know what the long acre was? Uh, Indeed, <laughs> I do. Yeah, and I remember. The last time I was drove out there toward Kilrush, along the coast road, yeah, and uh, I met a lot more cattle than cars <laughs> on the road. <laughs> on the road, yes, <laughs> and the long acre was being well grazed. Yes, yes. Well, it it has to be grazed, I suppose, and um, and, <laughs> and 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 in fairness to the council now, they're taken up with with the environmental issues <clears throat> quite frequently. For example, uh, do you know how much money? The council spent last year on um, uh, utilities. Now, to to anybody out there listening to us, there are five places in County Clare where, if you're short taken, you can put, insert your coin into. We're not uh, talking about ATMs, are we? <laughs> <We're not>. No, <laughs> no. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's I one do down indeed. in Killaloo. There's the bridge. one near the bridge there in Killaloo. Yeah. I think our listeners now might still be confused. What exactly are we talking? About? We're talking about a housing on the side of the road. Uh, that can be used as a public toilet. You have to a pay a few right, the public toilets. Yes. It cost this county council €180,000 last year. What do you think of that? What do we, what in, the do we think of days, in the good old days, like to hop across the ditch. <laughs> <No. laughs> I'm sure John, that's exactly what the cows are doing. Yeah. I suppose, John, uh, it, it seems a lot of money, but if you were one of the people uh, in short near the bridge in Killaloo, you'd yeah. be delighted. Well, I was you wouldn't complain at all. I had parked my car in the car park in Ennis one, one afternoon. That was about 10 years ago. And this lady, you know, passed me by on the, passed by on the car and she was wearing a tweed skirt down to the actual ankles. Oh, all right? Yeah. A, a lady that was, you know, middle-aged, maybe plus, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And... Uh, and she stopped uh, maybe 20 feet away from me. I just happened to be looking in her direction, okay? <laughs> and, I mean, she just stopped. You have to visualize the situation. And after maybe a, a, a half a minute, she walked on, leaving behind uh, a residue that hadn't been there before <laughs> she... Oh, oh, my God. Uh, absolutely. I thought, what a clever kind of lady she is. The tent she was wearing... Uh, presented her with the possibilities of relief <laughs> okay and preserving her dignity and preserving dignity i mean poor lad. so the thing oh my is God. 
You know, you can imagine that, can't you? I, I can't. I have to say, John, I find it difficult to imagine. Uh, 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 but 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 this story by Dan Danner is interesting for another reason. In the and this is on the front page now. Council spends pretty penny renting renting public toilets because I had always thought that they were council property that the council had put them there. But no, the council rent this, uh, and 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 obviously customers. Um, uh, depositors, maybe we should say, uh, have one to up have for you there. <laughs> <laughs> spend spend a penny inside, and you have yeah. to spend a penny to get inside. Yeah, yeah. Those, those titles are extra to the to the titles they have already in, in various places because are they? they are, yeah. So there because are some public toilets, are there? Well, Pat? If, yeah. if we look at if we look at it there, they're yeah. all in the in the in the seaside areas where people go to. Yeah, well, you popular tourists. spots. Tourists, yeah. But do you remember in the at the height of COVID, people actually complaining to the council that there weren't enough toilets? Oh yeah, we yeah. have short yeah. memories about this. Uh, is the council what? are the councillors saying that we shouldn't be spending this money? No, they they're just wondering about it. Oh, they're just yeah. wondering about they're it. They're possibly saying that um, that they have they have many in us, or they have self no self cleaning ones. Yeah, in us, and that. Uh, Kind of pointing out maybe that the council should get more of those and put them up and uh, you know and buy them. And yeah. And, 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 and rather than renting, is it? Rather than renting. Oh yeah. Which is yeah. a bit maybe far to be. Because it says here the council earned a small fraction of the cost of renting these facilities over the last three years. In 2019, the authority accrued an income of only. Now I'm putting in the word only of. 4,680 euro from these automated conveniences, a nice word, yeah, yes. which fell to 3,356 last year. And again, there was supposed to be this massive demand for toilets, but in fact, it, the, the, the rent went down, um, but increased to 6,000. But anyway, it's only a fraction of the cost of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. They're, they're making the point that maybe there should be a bit more money spent on the on, on, on having permanent ones because uh, in Innes, um, the car parks put in 1.2 million on average back in 2014. So, so uh, um, when, uh, with the, when the toilets are costing 70,000 for self cleaning, fully automated, accessible facilities with full time maintenance, which translates into 5% of the income from parking. Yeah. So they're, hmm. what they are saying is like if, if they could spend some of the parking money on, on those automated toilets and and buy them and have them have them have them as uh, permanent. Yes, yeah. yes, that yeah. would make better sense. Yeah. Can we just go on? As, I suppose slightly related to the environment uh, is the the heading on page five of the Care Champion, which where it says population plan the end of rural Clare, and it's Councillor P J Kelly, yeah. and he's talking about the uh, the national development plan. And how he says that uh, he says it's uh, discriminatory, and he said effectively will be the end of rural care. Now whether that's well, an exaggeration this seems or to, uh, I have the greatest respect, of course, for Councillor Kelly, but this is his regular mantra, isn't it? Uh, the end of rural care, um, and he's looking particularly solemn there. So we obviously have to take him very seriously. Um, but fair play to him. You know, he has to defend uh, rural care because that's where he comes from. Um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting story, and I don't think this citizens, maybe uh, including myself, are fully aware of what's happening. The the government, uh, according to Jessica Quinn here, um, set 
set uh, the limits of population expansion in given areas, which affects all sorts of things, I'm sure, like where you put wastewater treatment and in an ideal planned environment, maybe. But, uh, but could I ask you, David, yeah. on that point? Mm. Okay. It says X thousand. It does, yeah. Okay. Mm. How does, in a, demo a democratic society, how does a, a, such a society oblige a concentration of people in particular situations, villages, as you said, and uh, yeah. larger towns? How does how it determine it? How does it? I mean, it, it, I can see how Stalin and, and the, the boys uh, could do it beyond in Russia. It, is, you know? is, it, is it the green influence on, 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 on government, John? Is it? Because it looks like the green have, 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 have an awful lot of influence yeah. on all, on all yeah. decisions that's made it up in Dublin now. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, as a historian, I see this process over the long term. Over the last several hundred years, there has been a, uh, increasing numbers of people moving from the countryside into towns and villages. But that's understandable, isn't it? I mean, that is that I is was. that that is the way mm. most Western societies, yeah. but less developed societies, it's a very much a rural-based thing, and it's to do with all sorts of reasons. It's to do with employment, it's to do yeah. with opportunities, it might be to do with the culture of a particular place rather than others. So, so there's that movement anyway, and then. Can the government influence that? They can, to a certain extent, by the placing of wastewater treatment facilities in particular places, or the provision of broadband. Or creating but when you think new, of the broadband as an example, or the creation of new towns, and they have done that, Shannon and Adamstown and all these other places. But David, is that a healthy thing? Is it a healthy thing that uh, we go from a situation where you know people are well spread out in rural areas mm, mm. Uh, to... I mean, we've we've often talked about Dublin here in this mm. uh, in this program, where Dublin is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, mm, and mm, mm. space is at a premium. You know, mm. housing uh, accommodation, yeah. either rental or purchase, is at a premium as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and in, in many people's views, and particularly people who want to live in the countryside mm. and want to live in rural areas, where it's you know they would regard it as a healthier and uh, yeah. both physical and mental health uh, is a better way of yeah. life. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with you, Jim. Um, and I think people will still continue to make those decisions. Often, I think it comes down to where people get jobs sometimes as well. So and, and the cities and have that advantage. Well, yes, but you see, again, where jobs are can be influenced usually by central authority, by the central government. That is true. And by, the, by IDA, the IDA. Yeah, the yeah. IDA. Yeah. So but again, they, yeah. why... We, they, but they will tend to locate where the services are and where you can guarantee broadband, for example, or guarantee a, a workforce and so on. But... But when Beck, Beckman Coulter, yeah. who employ over 400 people in a rural village yeah. outside, uh, outside Tala, yeah. when a, a company like that, and the, it, the, the companies that preceded it, because there was a buyout uh, along the way there, um, they shouldn't be, you see, there at all, according to the, the gurus that actually determine location of industry in Ireland. Because broadband didn't exist. Yeah. And yet it was thriving. Yeah, yeah, and okay. yeah. But that might be an exception, would no, you say? No, I, I know. It's not an exception. I, I uh, but if you, I, I would suggest that the vast majority of industrial development in the country or in the county has happened... Take the county. The vast majority is probably located around Shannon and Ennis. 
Yeah, the vast majority. Maybe yes. Uh, yes. let's put a figure. Yeah. Maybe ninety yeah. percent. So therefore, the Beckman coolers and there are others dotted around, but they are only dotted around. Mm. Mm. But if you decentralize that and you you say take Shannon and spread Shannon out, that's the result of what would uh, of a of a of a of another approach, if you want to say mm. that every little place should have at least three of these industries rather well, than one Beckman PJ, Coulter. P- PJ Kelly is, is saying uh, the death of the village because a farmer can't get planning permission for his daughter or his son to build a house on their land. Now, that is policy, David, Pat, Jim. Okay, I, I think the sons, uh, sons and daughters of farmers can actually. Oh, oh, oh. PJ would say that they're being refu- refused right yeah. left and center yeah so what do you say to that well, well well i think it does depend on the county actually because in certain counties look at look at the example of of clare and tipperary and and types of developments just at killaloo balana and there you'll see very different approaches to planning and housing so it does mm. depend on how, how it, d- it depends on the whim of the planners. It does. In, in yeah. an it individual, does. it does. Yeah. In this case, what the what the what the actual story by Jessica Quinn is talking about is that the government, through the what's it called, the national yeah, planning yeah. framework, yeah. have stipulated or defined what an, what the future county population should look like or will look yeah. like, and the councillors have thought that this is unconstitutional. Um, as as you mentioned, uh, PJ thinks it's discriminatory and effectively will end. And they wanted the council to uh, get legal opinion, and they got legal opinion from the county solicitor, who advised them that he could... I don't know who the county solicitor is, whether it's a he or she, but they advised them anyway that actually it would be hard to prove that case. And the CEO... Um, of Clare County Council, Pat Dowling, and I'll quote Jessica's uh, piece here because it's better to hear it from them than me, stated the council executive shares the concerns of the elected representatives and that the population projections are laid out at government level. He went on, the future of rural Ireland rests with government policy. We have been thumping the table about rural Clare for as many years as I am here, he said. But he cautioned that the constitutional challenges are a big fight which could take years. He's advocating a kind of a more let's talk with the government, let's convince the government, let's, okay. rather than take them to the courts. Wait, wait, no, no, when you say, when we say as citizens, government policy, it's as if that, that is remote from us. But it shouldn't be. Oh, I mean, no, but, but okay, I mean, policy should be yeah. a reflection of a reflective community, of a, ref- a reflective society. Would you agree with that? Mm, mm, okay. Mm. But I don't, I don't see... As Again, I started the conversation by saying that this process has been going on for hundreds of years, yeah. and I don't think we're going to stop it any time soon. But have, none mm. of us have been consulted about this policy. I mean, we... The national... Well, the national planning framework, no, but I suppose mm. our consultation is our politicians, and if you don't like it, you talk to your TDs. Yeah, because, I mean, mm. I would, people often think that, you know, those people who, who like to, to denude rural areas of people are people living in, in cities. Yeah, and urban areas who who like to come down and sail and lock the down holidays, yeah. for the holidays and yeah. see beautiful <laughs> green fields yeah. all around yeah, with I mean, not a sight of a house. Now, fascinated mm. with the with the, the sea, you know. Do you know, but I mean, the, the quality <laughs> the quality of life the quality of life that we would have here uh, in East Clare. Uh, 
to my mind, is second to none. No, oh, yeah, I agree if with if one doesn't agree with that, one can go and live in Limerick or Galway or Dublin yeah, or yeah. wherever. And yeah. if that suits people more. PJ Kelly is the same what you said there, Jim. He's, he was on the radio the other morning all about this yeah. thing. And he said, yeah, well, he said the, 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 the civil service, the people up in, in, in Dublin and civil servants, they, they, you know, they, they're up in Dublin and they, they like to come down to West Clare for their fortunes holidays. That, yes. that's, that's what they want, like, and that's it. And, I'd say they go to Wexford now rather than. Clare. Come back again. <laughs> it's the Limerick people that come to Clare. Yes. <laughs> but it's a, it's an interesting one. Like I mean, we we said before, we don't do planning, and yet this is an attempt to do planning, and it's based around project uh, population projections and so on. And where do you, if we have an expanding population, where do you put them? Um, but that's that's that is the core. Yeah. Uh, and how do you determine? Yeah. Which, which option one should use yeah. with regard to putting them, as you say, putting them. Yeah. Okay, there's going to be an expansion of population. There we will. accept that. It's, it's been on, on the way, yeah. it's been ongoing since 1960. Indeed, and the question you're saying is, it is going to happen, yeah. and the question we're asking is, do we have a say in the thinking, in the philosophy behind yeah. Yeah. actual location yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of our population? Yeah. Incre- okay. Would okay, you agree, Jim? I, I want to. Can I move on to a you can. different? <laughs> just for before we have our our break, the We've fire service is in difficulty at the moment. Just uh, maybe a minute or two. Yeah. The uh, it's on the, the front page, Jim, of the of the Champion. Fire service is like a revolving door. Claims Green Councillor. It's a story by Jessica Quinn, and, and it's 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 startling, really. The turnover of Clare's retained firefighters is like a revolving door, with 47 people leaving the service since 2016. A meeting of Clare County Council was told this week. However, Council CEO Pat Dowling has insisted Clare Fire and Rescue Service is not in a state of crisis. Um, but 47 people leaving le- leaving uh, the fire service would suggest that there's something up, wouldn't you think, John? I don't know. It's hard to. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult commitment. Yeah, I, I think because you're on duty, you could yes. be on duty at any stage. You yeah. could get a call, and yeah. uh, I, th- that is the point. There, it says there's a lot of pressure being put on. On, on, on the people then who've retained, the people who've stayed there, they have to be on call much l- for much longer hours. But um, uh, and these weren't people retiring either. These are these are relatively young people. Mm. So yeah, I see. And just to add to what you're saying, in the Clare Echo, Porrick McMahon has a piece on page 15 where he says, in Killaloo, for example, the full crew is nine, yeah. and at the moment uh, there are only seven. And uh, that obviously puts a lot more pressure on, on the on seven those. because they have to do the work of nine. Yeah. Because you, you can't not respond to... A I mean, we probably don't have time to go into it now, but... Uh, Co- Councilor, sorry, Pat. Councillor Liam, Liam Grant there, who works as a retained firefighter in his time, outlined a full crew, uh, crew at Killaloo Fire Station would usually consist of nine. Now, he, he also says here that... He said, Claire has been used as a stepping stone for training before firefighters move on to full work. Full-time work in, in other, other counties. counties. So, so is there a difference between is it a retained firefighter is some is, is a is a firefighter who then is not a, a kind of a full-time? Is that what's being implied? If people yeah. are going to other counties yeah. where there's sort of nine to five and shift work, work and all yeah. the rest, possibly yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like the question is then: Is Clare out of step with mm-hmm. the other counties? I mean, is it is it the the wages that are involved and the pay, or is it the 
conditions of work, which it's, is in it's, its it sounds as if it's the conditions it more than anything it else. Does, yes, it? it does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, okay. the, the council has to include uh, in a report a comparison of retained fireplaces in in County Cork, which uses which uses a week on week off system, and whether a similar strategy could be implemented here. So, obviously, there, there's a different strategy mm. in, in in different counties. You probably yeah. would need more, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pass. Do you have any? We we need to take a break. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have. Uh, Jeez, we're sweating here. <laughs> we are the talk that's going on tonight. We're, 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 ta we're, we're talking about pollution and everything like that, and we'll we'll have Smokey living next door to Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Pat. Yeah. You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media <laughs> this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And there we had Smokey and uh, the choice of uh, Pat. And that's living next door to Alice. Well, I don't know who will be living next door to... Uh, <laughs> and who's Alice? <laughs> yes. I left out a critical word there. And, and she's, she's obviously smoked out of it. <laughs> uh, talking of smoke mm. and, um, and people living in places. John... You came up with a little gem. We usually do the second part of the show, uh, local affairs. Yes. But this doesn't quite fit in, off, into that category. Well, uh, well, we're uh, going to Italy. It was an article that I read during the week and, um, uh, by Nick Squires, writing out of Rome. He was writing about Pompeii. Now, we've all, from school days, heard about Pompeii and how Vesuvius did the job on it uh, and mm -hmm. um, all of that. Archaeologists a fortnight ago have found slaves slept in what he called Ikea-style beds. Okay. They've discovered this room, which they think uh, was the sla a slave's quarter, and it was totally encased in the, uh, 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 the ash mm. and the lava, okay? particularly the, the ash. And what was in it? I thought it was fascinating altogether. You had... Um, uh, a room, very small, there was a chamber pot in it that had been used. It had eight jars for holding liquids one from another and it had three beds and it was possible, imagine this now, it was preserved so well, it's possible to extend the bed if the need arose, okay, to make it longer the Ikea type of style. And this was in 79 AD. By God. Pompeii. So if you want, if you want to take a holiday this summer, Jim, bring Marguerite to Pompeii. <laughs> and uh, you can fit Rome in on the way back. Yeah. But John, do you not often think, and I often think it anyway, but I might be obscure. If the Romans had ever got to oh. Ireland, we might have been a a better country than we even are today. That's a good question, really. Um, yeah. They did... They, 
They how, never got there. No. They, 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 yeah, and yet there was. A, yeah, uh, there was. They didn't think it worth their trouble because the 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 the, the, the Picts and and the other barbarians in England, um, as they would have called them, mm. uh, gave them a bit of a hard time. So yeah. you know, but one wonders. Patrick, of yeah. course, Saint Patrick was yeah. a Roman. He um, was, and, and, and enslaved by Irish yeah. and brought them over. And, and they were the Romans, now we're, ver we're really verging off. Jim is looking at me funny. <laughs> but they're, they are trading. They were, Rome, Rome was trading with, with Ireland. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I suppose, moving on from the Romans, we'll get a little bit nearer to home, and we'll, we'll stop with the Normans for a moment. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, Pat, there's a Norman castle down in uh, Bunratty, and I think uh, it's, it's gone up the charts. Oh yeah, um, in recent times, Pat. Yeah, Castle is the is the leading castle in, in Ireland to come to. Um, Patrick McMahon is the story here, uh, in on page uh, twenty-seven of the Echo. Uh, Bonnachie Castle has been named Ireland's favourite castle in a survey carried out by Empathy Research. Just over one in six people, seventeen percent voted for the fifteenth century Bonnachie Castle with its famous folk park. Pipping another famous tourist attraction, the 800-year-old Kilkenny Castle, into second place with just over one in seven giving it their, their first preference. 15% according to the national poll of over a thousand people carried out for online luxury company uh, Lazo Land. International fame Bonresi Castle topped the pile in the survey carried out to celebrate Halloween. Dublin, Dublin, Blairney and Ashford Castle completed the top five. Hmm. I I, they wouldn't be in my top five now if you, if you ask me, I have to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm going to ask you now what would be, in your, what would be your top one. Maybe it is Bunratty. Uh, I would have put Care Castle. Care Castle in County Tipperary, a fantastic castle. Think of very Robin defensive. Hood. Very defensive. Yeah. I was brought there as a child. All I could think about was Robin Hood, Sheriff of Nottingham. Coming it was in. so romantic yeah. in that sort yeah. of a way. Yeah. And uh, because it's, it's rather uh, intact, there's nothing romantic about Bunratty. Jim, what would you put as your well, number one Well, castle? I wouldn't necessarily go for the romance of the castle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love Bunratty Castle, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I've been in it good few times I've brought children there from school yeah. uh, we brought our own children there particularly to the um, the folk park yes there I mean I think you know it's it's a fabulous fabulous yeah. place yeah uh, there's uh, no doubt it's a nice castle yeah. a tower house we have to correct you because there is a difference between a castle and a tower house a tower house is just a, a tower. A castle is a full mm. complex, like very much like Care, mm. or indeed Kilkenny. John, what would you say? I'm with Jim. Um, uh, I'm with Jim, but yeah. I'm more fascinated by the tower house, as you say. There were about 300, over 300 tower houses in County Clare. Yeah. Okay, in varying stages. I think yeah. when Cromwell had finished with us, I, I think his government gave 10 shillings for the uh, towards the destruction. Mm of the tower houses yeah. and that's one of the reasons why you have so many tower houses in are, are, poor state are, are of sort of mm. you might see one or two yeah. walls there's Absolutely. one near Tulla for example well, the, the tower house in Tungreni yeah, which tower house in Tung okay. actually that's rather intact it is it yeah. is <laughs> they just went into the, under, under, under the, the various um, in Linston Dublin Castle was the, was the favourite and in, in yeah. just over uh, just ahead of Meadowhide yeah uh, Castle got its, its first prevalence from, from the Munster voters <laughs> and Ashford Castle for Connacht for Connacht Ulster yeah. Yeah. Mm. so it's very it's very local Pat what would you where would you go where, what's your number one Tower House or Castle 
I, I don't know. I like Bunga Tree Castle, but uh, yeah. I, I, I like any castles. You know, they are kind of similar, don't they? Yeah. 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 Pat, were you above the salt or below it when you were in the castle, when you were living? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, John. I tell you now, there's a, there's a, a six-mark question for you. Yeah. Who can answer what's the origin of the phrase being above the salt or below it? And there's Fitzpatrick's Hotel in New York and a f- an Aer Lingus flight going for the correct, <laughs> the correct, an- the correct answer. Sponsored by John S. <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please. <laughs> will you, you tell us the answer next week? I will. Indeed, okay. yeah. We might have looked it up. Hmm. I, I, think it, I think it's interesting. One of the main attractions of Bunratty Castle now in the 21st century yeah. is the, the Blarney Woollen Mills and Meadows and Burn across the road. Indeed. Is that right? When you, is that when you bring yeah. the family? Oh, well, certain members yeah. of the family will head <laughs> yeah. towards... Uh, yeah. Blarney Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Can I keep can I keep the theme going? Uh, the historic theme that John started on. On, on page thirteen, Fiona McGarry has the story. Archaeological concerns raised about Quinn Mast Plan. Yeah. Uh, further objections have been received by planners as part of a local campaign of opposition to a telecommunications mast proposed for the village of Quinn. The government department has now recommended that assurances be sought from vantage towers that a 22-metre lattice mast is uh, it is proposing to erect at Quinville South will not damage the sensitive archaeological site. This may be, Pat, may be a case where you might welcome a Dublin department interfering in local affairs. I don't know. But anyway, a total of 10 submissions have, have been made on the application, with one of the most recent uh, coming from Quinn Tidy Towns. There seems to be a lot of archaeological the department's uh, development applications unit says that there's quite a lot of archaeological issues of concern and that there's a zone there with 10 sites of archaeological interest which include an Anglo-Norman and early Christian uh, monuments. So all they're looking for, all the department is looking for is further information that they will do an archaeological impact assessment. But uh, uh, it's important, I I would have thought that 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 was a normal thing that they should be doing anyway but obviously the application they submitted Vantage Towers didn't include it. Yeah, I would imagine though that, you know, if it's a, it's, it's a phone mast. Yeah. I presume. yeah. yeah. So, you know, to, to move the phone mast half a mile yes. isn't yeah. a major it shouldn't strike me as a major well, I, problem. I, I don't know, do they own the land or how do, do they re- rent the land or does it have to be near the existing communication yeah. services or what? But Who you knows? Know, well, irris- irrespective, no, I mean, I, I, I yeah. expressed myself strongly on, on this issue. It would be a travesty to take from the unique character of the village of Quinn. With a thousand, at least it's, it's a thousand years of, you it, know. It's 24 meter high. It's very I high. notice. I say, no way, I don't care. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. no way at all. I mean, I would be, I would love to hear uh, a, um, a suggestion that the abbey in Quinn might be restored. It has a fantastic it's, cloister. It's, it's I mean, an impressive, it's, yeah. it's one of the best kept best, runes. isn't it? But let me play devil's advocate with you about this one, and I, completely devil's advocate on this one. Surely I need mobile phone access, and I need 3G and 4G and 5G. You do, and you're indeed. depriving me, John, of I'm that. I'm not, I'm telling you you can have it, but not in my back garden. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, seriously. Yeah. There's a place for 
that particular mast. But it certainly isn't within the confines mm. of the village of Quinn, of all the villages mm. in the county. Yeah. I mean, so I would be saying the people of Quinn are dead right. Yeah. The mast can be, we've got on without it in the village before, and it can go uh, done yeah. without again. Yeah. And that's my answer to you, David. Yeah. Yes. I to the devil's advocate, you, uh, it's location rather than yes. whether it the should exist or not. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now we have sorted that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the um, both papers, the volunteer of the year. Uh, I think it's an older person's volunteer of the year, and it's awarded every year. I saw the photograph there. I think our own Patricia Ann yeah, is, yeah. Uh, is there as part of the organising group. Yeah, she's, uh, she's chairperson of the Clareholder People Council. Would, would you qualify, gentlemen, for the old person's category? <laughs> well, I remember that one of the first years it was introduced, uh, a Scarif man, Paddy Lowry, emerged as the winner in the county, you know, and it was, yeah. it was brilliant for him, yeah. and no better man, and really well deserved. So you, you dodged that question No, no, well. I didn't. I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was building up. You have to be nominated by somebody, so... Yeah. You can't can can nominate yourself. All right. You must be 55 or over. Oh, ah, yeah, you're, well, you're sorted, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll just get inside it. Anyway, David, you're looking at yeah. the lady in question I am there. looking at the lady. Her name is Mary O'Mara, <coughs> who said she was stunned to be named winner of the old... Older People's Volunteer of the Year. And she's pictured there, and uh, decades she's been doing decades of volunteering for different community organisations, uh, which ensured that she won, uh, the, won the 2021 Clare Older People's Volunteer of the Year Award. She was nominated by Killadoo Ballina Family Resource Centre. She's 68. Um, and she was completely taken aback, She, according to the paper. I knew I would get a certificate after I was shortlisted, but when my name was called out as the overall winner, I couldn't believe it, she said. Um, and a fair play to her. She's, she's been involved in... I'm trying to look at the things now that she, uh, that she has been involved in. Pat, do you know what she's been involved in? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I haven't put it, it on. Didn't the table, say, no. I think. It, it didn't no. say. It didn't say. But she's uh, like uh, various ki the Killaloo Cubs, for example. Oh, well, that mentioned. would be the Scouts. Scouts yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh, she's old folks society. There's all sorts of things, but fair play. And it's nice to acknowledge volunteers. So much. We're all volunteers, of course, around here. Mm. So there's so much volunteering that goes on that makes our various communities a better place. I think. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it is. What Indeed. I mean in the in the world of sport, in terms of of mm -hmm. you know rural areas in particular, yeah. in, in amateur sport, everyone is a volunteer. Mm, Everybody exactly. who goes out, training teams, playing, organising, administering—they're yeah. mm. all volunteers. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's just, so, just Jim there. Um, there's a, there's a, Parley has a, a, the story here and the, and the echo as well on that. Yes. And um, uh, she was with the Killaloo, including the Scouts, the Apostolic Society, and the Killaloo Bell Family Resource Centre. So and, and the ICA Guild is yeah, another one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she does seem to have been regularly out, out of the house doing various things for various people, yeah. Okay. One of the things I spotted in the Clare Champion was... Yeah. Uh, lay ministries and it's just maybe something worthy of mention because it's often been been drawn down how how more and more 
priests are getting more and more scarce. And we, whereas, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we had a huge number of priests in right around County Clare and the Diocese of Killaloo and other dioceses. Uh, that's not the case now. So I suppose one of the responses that the, the diocese is doing is um, uh, training uh, lay ministries or ministers to are do these, various are these things. these different to ministers of the Eucharist? Do you remember there were ministers of the Eucharist yeah, who, who is, would give out It communion. is different. It, it is, is different. Mm-hmm. So what would a lay minister be doing? Well, my understanding is that, for example, they would be they'd be trained in particular so that they could do things in various parishes, like give courses, for example, like train. Uh, we'll say some parishes would have uh, a pre-baptism course. And oh, they yes, would, they, there's a marriage course. And they'd be pre-marriage courses. Yeah, yeah. But they they would be doing things like, we'll say parents could go and attend these before the yeah. baptism, and they would... Um, they would uh, run those, but loads. Of, but I mean, there's other things as well. We'll say they're, the, the they're idea not, would be that yeah. they would be able to take certain services. Yes, down the line. Um, yes. Yeah. And they encountered the what kind of pay is in it, Jim? I said, <laughs> like ourselves, I would say it's the same pay that we receive. It's all volunteers. Mm. Jim, I, I, I presume. I presume uh, this is open to uh, f- females, to women as well. I would think so. There is a certain, there's a deacon. You can you can be a deacon in the church, but no, th- no, that's, we that's went. Not open we went there before. We did. We have evidence, all right, uh, f- around the table here. We have evidence that a fourth century bishop was a a lady. We have the yeah. icon, the icon evidence of that and reference as well in the early history. Yes, but uh, certainly, Jim. Um, we don't have a deaconess in the current. No, uh, no, but but the, the idea that it's all male is purely a, a rule brought in by. You'd like to see it changed? Uh, oh, I would. Of course, I would. Yeah. Mm. I mean, brought in by an all male church. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a bit deaf that Looking, the women a, can't have roles within the yeah. church. Any role mm. within the church. Looking at the picture here of a of a related story, the first ashes interred in in Columbarium, um, hard word sometimes for to get my tongue around. Uh, the bishop uh, bishop of Killaloo, Finton Monaghan, the only woman. There's one, two, three, four, five, six people portrayed. The only woman I can see is the Blessed Virgin Mary herself in the background, um, but there's no other There's no other women in, uh, woman in the picture. But anyway, leaving that aside, um, do you think there will be a big uh, shift to... Uh, by the way, a columbarium, for people who may not be familiar with it, is, where, is a place where ashes um, are interred. Deposited. Deposited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of a collection. And this is actually one in the cathedral, the Catholic Cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul in it. Do you think there will be a shift away from burials in graveyards to this sort of... Oh, I do. I think there's a big, there's been a shift already because yeah. quite often now if you look at RIP, the, the website and you see look for funeral arrangements and, and maybe 20 years ago I mean, maybe there wasn't a crematorium or there certainly yeah. wasn't one in Shannon but I mean in, in now mm. it seems. One question I'd ask you David, bring it back to the uh, 
the um, environmental aspect of cremation. Indeed. How does that sit Car with the, the environment? Well, it's a very good question, um, because you would have thought that the traditional way of, of uh, disposing of, of, of a deceased human mm. is putting him in the ground, and um, there is no... What, what is, the, what, what is the, the carbon footprint of that? Very little, I would have thought, mm. because any, any decomposition is happening in the ground, whereas yeah. an actual... Um, uh, a cremation you're burning it's presumably gas that is yes. used to uh, light the fire and yeah. bring it up to a very high temperature um, and, and, so, and then the body is I, I, so I presume it's the gas that is producing the carbon footprint rather mm. than the body now I could mm. be totally wrong about that because mm. there could be something in the body that might be producing particularly bad things for the environment so I would have I thought that <laughs> the more we might have to we might have to offset our, uh, our cremation when it comes when it yeah, comes around yes. mm. I think you don't have a substantial amount of uh, you, you wouldn't be on, you wouldn't want to be on the dole to be put, putting be putting the dashes how much is it expensive <laughs> Pat is very conscious of the money tonight. <laughs> uh, how much are we talking about, uh, Pat? I, I see the, uh, a while ago it was between 15 and 2,000 euros. Is it? 1,500 and 2,000 euros. Just to book that space. To book, to book this box. Oh. So there's, there's a lot of my grandchildren already. Oh, you're Listen, we're, we're almost finished, folks. Two things. John gave me a thing here which says, a sheet of paper which says, um, Bonjour from... Uh, even Connor, Sean, and Quiva, sixth class international school, say yes to languages. Um, yes. It has been chosen as one of the 500 schools to pilot the primary language initiative. Uh, funded by the Department of Education. Ha happy to say that Tomb Graney, I think, is National School yeah. is also part of that initiative. Now, is I that good? I spent mm. many, many years being bombarded with initiatives by the Department of Education <laughs> with no, no funding <laughs> for most funding of them. Behind There's that funding one. for this yeah. one. There is, yeah. 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 The yeah. other, to finish then, Pat, there's a Kilkishan festival. Oh, tell yeah. tell us what you know about it. Kilkishan uh, festival to boost local producers. Kilkishan Cultural Centre is, is uh, gearing up to host a major Christmas uh, Austrian craft food festival next month. It is it's in a bid to encourage support, to encourage support for local and Irish in, in, enterprise. The event is the first of its kind to take place in the village and aims to kickstart the Christmas festivities. Great. In, so the, in the cultural centre. In the cultural centre, yeah. There's, 40, there's, there's, there's going to be 40 stands there. Oh, that's okay. great. For, two, for two days. The marquee is going up beside it. Good bigger. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Listen, uh, we have to finish, uh, folks. Yeah. Many, many thanks to uh, our panel today, to John S. Kelly. Thank you, John. You're welcome, Jim. To Pat O'Brien. Thank, thank you very much. And to David. Pleasure, David. David. Pleasure. Welcome again. Uh, now, Pat, are you going to sing us out? Oh, yeah, we have. <laughs> with with <laughs> something? <laughs> we have Dean Nelson with a little, wine, a little old wine drink of me. Oh, by God, Pat. Oh. And that was the days of the black sticks. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much, uh, everybody. We'll see you again next Sunday, please. God, uh, until then, goodbye and God bless. I matched the man behind the bar For the jukebox And the music takes me back to Tennessee And they ask Who's a fool in the corner crying? I say, a little old wine drinker, me. I 